Hey friend, Becky here. I'm your host and you're listening to We Are Free. This is a podcast about letting go of what we think our lives should look like and the sweet freedom God has for us on the other side of surrender. If you're new here, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes with the incredible women I get to chat with every week. And if We Are Free has been an encouragement to you, it would mean so much to me if you headed over to iTunes to rate and review the show. Thank you so much for all of your support. All right, let's get going. I can't wait for you to listen to this latest episode. Welcome to We Are Free, episode 64. My guest today is Julie Zahong. Julie is a 20-something-year-old gal redeemed and motivated by the saving grace of Jesus. As an adult, a Chinese adoptee, she has experienced both the many good and hard parts of adoption, yet has found great hope and healing as Jesus has worked in her heart through these things, bringing about beauty from the ashes. Hey, Julie, welcome to We Are Free. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, Guys listening, I'm really excited to chat with Julie. I've been following her for a while on Instagram. And as you may know, I'm an adoptive mama. So I do all I can to uh, just see what's going on in the adoption world. Um, And a lot of times I feel like that has to do with um, when you're an adoptive parent, like for young kids, like Vera is four right now, but someday she's not going to be four. And I love following Julie because as I mentioned, she's a 20 something year old girl. And um, I have gotten a lot of insight just from hearing her talk about adoption and her story and her life. Um, and it's cool for me personally to to see, you know, what some things Vera might encounter later in life. Anyway, so I invited Julie to be on the show Um Totally not 100% selfishly, but I do have to say some of it is definitely for my, for for me and our family personally. Um, but Julie, just thank you for being here and thank you for um, just all the things you're about to share because I know that it is a uh, a lot and a lot of different things and feelings and I, the thing that we're talking about today is it's big and um, mm. I just I really appreciate you opening up about all of this stuff. Mm. Well, thank you, Becky. It's a privilege to get to share and um, just kind of like my my little bio said, um, this is really the Lord's story. And so he gets all the glory for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Julie, why don't you just tell us, give us a little background on your adoption story, um, what you remember, what you've been told, uh, and we'll start there. Okay. So I was adopted from Guangdong province, which is in Southern China. Um, In the year 2000, I was about two years old and always known I was adopted. Um, I was adopted by Caucasian parents and grew up in the United States. So it was very obvious that, you know, there was a difference between me and my parents in appearance. So I grew up always knowing my parents read um, adoption books to us, I think from a a pretty young age. Um, So we just always knew. My brother um, was also adopted from China. He's we're not biologically related, but mm-hmm. we grew up. And so we just both grew up always knowing we were adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, at what age do you have any memories of like when you realized, you know, you said, okay, we had Caucasian parents. Like it was obvious mm-hmm. we were different. Like when did you start to notice or feel any of those things? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. 
um, just because it, I just didn't know anything different. So it was just very normal for me. And where I lived until I was about seven, we interacted with other families who had adopted children. So it wasn't that weird that I was adopted because I was with other families that had adopted kids too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just something that was always there. It would come up, you know, and when we had gotcha days or... Um, when people would ask us out in public, you know, why my brother and I look different or whatever, but it was just always, it was just always there. Yeah. Um, and I know as an adult, you've shared a lot of um, different things that you've worked through or are working mm-hmm. through. Um, mm-hmm. I guess at what point in your life did you start to um, take on some of like the the weight of these things that come with adoption and like realize mm-hmm. these things and start to process them? Mm -hmm. Probably not until I was 16 or 17. Um, I started doing a lot of reading. I don't even know how I got into it, but I started reading a lot of blogs written by adoptees and I kind of read them and I was like, wow, these people are like really dramatic. These, you know, issues are, you know, they're just making mountains out of molehills. And then as I started reading more and more, I just realized that I was relating to more and more as kind of, I think, the denial of these issues and questions and wonderings um, kind of was softened. And I was like, wow, these these people actually are describing things that I actually feel in my heart and, mm-hmm. and questions I have in my mind. And so I realized, wow, <laughs> you know, they're not actually being dramatic. Like these are actually real things. And so that began um, just a lot of processing, a lot of different questions and feelings and emotions um, kind of through my later teenage years. Yeah. Julie, what were some of those questions that were coming up for you or emotions or feeling just all of it, mm-hmm. if you would like to share? Sure. I think the biggest feeling was just a sense of loss um, and realizing that I had a family before my adoptive family and there was just this huge sense of loss and um, just an emptiness in my heart and my life as I realized, wow, like I lost kind of my roots and my origins and where I came from, my culture and my language um, mm-hmm. in my family. I lost like actual people that are very much a part of me even today. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot to work through, like a process of grief, um, which I think they call like ambiguous grief because it's, it's a loss that, you know, it's not like someone actually died, mm-hmm. but you know, it's the removal of a person, the absence of a person from your life. Yeah. So that was definitely something I've had to work through and, you know, still have to work through as that that pain and grief um, comes back. Um, But just a lot of questions about the beginning of my story and just so many unknowns. Um, According to the information I have, I wasn't found until um, I was 14 months old. And so there's always been kind of these questions of, you know, why was I so much older? Um, Most of the adoptees who were adopted around my age, around the time I was adopted at were, um, you know, a couple weeks, a couple days, a couple months, maybe mm-hmm. old when they were abandoned, but I was abandoned around 14 months. So mm-hmm. that was a question in my mind, like, you know, why was I so much older? Did someone try to keep me? You know, what were the circumstances um, surrounding my abandonment? Yeah. So a lot of questions like that. Have you tried to, or been, ever been able to, or wanted to, I guess is the first question, mm-hmm. like to, to actually like really like try to find out those answers? 
Mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done some DNA testing over the last couple years, and um, I had someone go back to the the city I was found in um, to to try to track down any clues. Um, it's been over twenty years, so you know the clues are are mm-hmm. are pretty minimal, and there's not a lot to go on. So I have tried and continuing to try to find my family. Yeah. What, like, um, if you can just walk us through, like, what feelings, Mm -hmm. like, as you do that, like, as you, Mm -hmm. you know, 20 years later, okay, there's not a lot there. Like, is there any Mm -hmm. sense of, um, like, closure for you? Or does that not, is is that not even possible? Like, what does that look like for you? Mm You know, for me, so I went back to China about three years ago. And I actually got to go to my abandonment spot and I got to go back to the orphanage where I was adopted from. And that brought a measure of closure actually to me and that I was able to kind of reconcile in my mind these places that I've always been told about and I've always seen pictures about. But to actually go there and see how those places fit into my story and were actually, you know, actual places. Um brought a measure of closure to me. Um, Searching has been, it's just an emotional up and down because you never know what you're going to find Mm -hmm. and you never know when the call or the email is going to come that, oh, you know, we found your family or we found a potential family. So it's a it's just really having to walk in faith and then trusting the Lord and, and having open hands with it and saying, you know, Lord, you've given me my birth family and my adoptive family, and I'm not going to hold them with closed fists um, and just try to hold on to them as tightly as I can, but I'm going to open my hands. And, you know, if you're, you, you t- in a sense, um, kind of took my birth family from me and, but my hands are open to you giving them back, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot of openness and surrender that I've had to learn as I walk through this this search and just surrendering my desires to the Lord too, because I I would really love to find my birth family and have a relationship with them and know them and love them and be known and loved by them, mm-hmm. um, which is something the Lord has you know not not seen fit to give at this time. Um, so just trusting him as a good father and, and the one who knows how to give good gifts and when to give good gifts. Yeah. Um, so just really walking in trust and committing all those emotions that I feel of sadness and, you know, desire and, um, all those things to him, knowing that he, he knows those and he can bring a healing and a satisfaction even when my desires aren't met mm-hmm. in the moment. Yeah, definitely. Has it been easy or hard for you or just a mix of all of it, like over the years, like as you've experienced these things and felt these things to voice them, um, whether it's to your parents or friends or is this, what has that looked like for you? Um, It's been actually pretty hard. Um, I didn't grow up having a lot of conversations about my birth family really at all within my adopted family. So it was always kind of this thing, like, do we talk about this? Is it okay to talk about this or not? Um, The Lord's given a little bit more openness with people in my church and friends and talking about this, but it's just still such a personal thing that it is hard to talk about. Um, But I have to remind myself, it's good to talk about these things and to not, not hold back in talking about them. Yeah. 
um, as a mom to an adopted child, like I know I've had a lot of thoughts, um, and honestly fears like for my daughter, like Mm -hmm. eventually, even at this age, she's four and like starting to Mm -hmm. grasp a lot of different things in life. So I just, I feel like there's Mm -hmm. stuff coming and that that's good. And I want to talk about it and we want to be as open as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. but I definitely, I do have fears. I can't imagine like, and I'm just Mm -hmm. like the mother of the child, not the actual child experiencing these Mm -hmm. things. Um, you know, fears of her feeling abandoned or, you know, that loss that you talk about. Um, What Mm -hmm. would you say, Julie, like, do you have any encouragement or advice for adoptive moms of like young children who like, what do you feel is the best you're, or maybe for you personally, everybody's different, Mm -hmm. but like what has been most helpful or what, you know, would have been helpful. Do you think over the years, like, to, to walk through that journey together, like with your adoptive mm-hmm. family? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think definitely conversations and just openness and talking about these things is so helpful because once you, you bring fear into the light, it's like, you know, it just goes away and um, still, you know, there's struggle with it. But I think a lot of the battle is just naming the fear and saying it out loud and sharing that that fear with someone else. And then it's a lot easier to just walk in a path of victory over that fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a journey for me that you, you mentioned specifically the fear of abandonment. And it's something that's even come up for me in the last couple of weeks that I've really had to just really dig deep into the roots of, you know, what this is and why this is such um, a hard thing for me still after, you know, I'm almost 23 and, you know, this is still a very real battle for me every day, um, yeah. this fear of abandonment. So I think for me, it was just really helpful to to realize that fear is like a believing in something, which is pretty basic, like it makes sense. Um, but often Satan gets into our minds and he he puts these lies into our minds and then we start believing those lies and then we start fearing. And so for me, I had to realize that I'm believing these lies, um, specifically in regards to fear of abandonment, these lies of I'm not loved, I'm not valuable, I'm not wanted. And because of these things, I have to protect myself. And um, a passage of scripture that's been really helpful for me the last couple of weeks to just dig into is Isaiah 43, which talks about um, the Lord is speaking to Israel, which we're not Israel, but because we are his children, we this this applies to us and he's speaking to us. And he says, fear not for I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. And so we see this like, I am wanted. He calls me his, I belong to him. Mm-hmm. And then he promises to protect us and to be with us. And so we don't have to protect ourselves and we, we can know we're not alone. Um, he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flame will not scorch you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place, since you were precious in my sight. And we see this, how God values us. We are precious in his sight. You have been honored and I have loved you. So we see God's love for us, his love for me. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. And we see this demonstration of his love. So the, this, these three or four verses just totally debunked all those lies that I've been believing mm-hmm. that I'm not loved, I'm not valuable, I'm not wanted, and I have to protect myself. So for me, 
it's just it's been this process of I, I have to identify the fear. I have to identify the lie that's behind the fear. Then I have to search the word for for truth to replace what that fear, that lie is. And then I have to apply that truth to my life by taking an action to live out that fear. Because fear is paralyzing. Like it keeps us from really doing anything. It holds us back. It keeps us um, trapped in like a certain response pattern. And so as we live more in the truth and we're replacing these fears and these lies with the word of God, we have to like put that into action by doing something because that recreates like new response patterns that are um, newer, they're better, and they're, they're more biblical responses than responding in fear. Julie, you are wise for your young 20s. <laughs> oh, girl, that's so good. Yes, thank you. Um, you're so, I admire you for like seeking the truth with these horrible, hard feelings and lies that, that you have felt. And I, I really admire you for that. Um, what are some ways um, that you feel like might be specific to adoptees or like, um, that you have seen God move or work in your life that maybe mm-hmm. others might not realize because we all have different stories, but like, sure. um, mm-hmm. how have you most like intimately experienced God, like throughout these challenges and throughout like the mm-hmm. realities that come with adoption? Mm-hmm. Well, two things come to mind um, with that question. And I think one is, through all these experiences, through the the pains and the hurts and the victories, even the healing that the Lord has brought into my life, I've gotten just a better understanding of who He is as my Father, and um, and His love for His children. And I've just had to lean into that, you know, time and time again through all these questions of my birth family and not knowing my birth father and not knowing my birth mother, my my siblings and my extended family and just really leaning into the Lord as my father, as the one who's always there and who will never leave me. He'll never forsake me and he'll never forget me. And I love um, Hebrews 13 has that verse that, you know, talks about, you know, be content with what things that you have for the Lord has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And in the original text, it actually is literally, I will never, 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 never leave you or forsake <laughs> you. And it says it five times. And I love, I love that because it's just this promise. You know, we, we have to take God at his word. And if he says it one time, you know, we need to just believe that and live in that in faith. But if he said it five times, you know, we have no doubt, no, no, no reason to, to doubt what he has said. And so um, just leaning into him as my ever-present father and a father who's compassionate and tender and knows how weak I am and knows my needs even more than I know my needs and he's sufficient to fill those needs. Yeah. Um, but I've also known him in a very deep way as my healer and as the one who um, Psalm 147 talks about, he is the one who heals the broken in heart and he binds up their wounds. And I've, over the years, I've had to go to the Lord so many times and just so much brokenness and just say, Lord, heal me. Here's my heart. It's in a thousand million hundred pieces. And I just need you to take all the broken parts and to just heal it and make me whole and restore me, make me new again. So good. Um, Julie, I know that you are 
um, you know, like a very, I don't want to say active member, but like you are, you're passionate about adoption. And I know that you have a lot of relationships with other adoptees and like, it's obviously a big part of your life um, outside of like your personal story, just from what you know, from like having relationships and friendships with others, like are there any other feelings, like main struggles, challenges, or maybe it's something for you too. Um, but if not, like just for the people that you know, um, uh-huh like other things that maybe those of us who are, have not been, uh, you know, adopted like Mm -hmm. on this physical earth outside of by God, but the things Mm -hmm. that maybe um, struggled with or different, just things that we can be aware of so that maybe we can be more uh, sensitive to, to an adoptee. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um. I think there's just a lot of insecurity and fear that a lot of adoptees harbor. Um, and it's just not, it's just a, a common thing for adoptees when we um, just don't know a lot about our pasts. And there's a lot of fear that can be built in, especially if you're adopted at a young age, even when you're adopted at an older age and you have, um, you know, experiences um prior to adoption that you remember that are hard to, to reconcile with your present and your future. Um, there's just a lot of, I think holding back, there's a fear in loving and in being loved. And a a lot of adoptees show that by, um, like pushing people away, holding them at arm's length, um, or, you know, kind of acting out, being needy, being, just needing a lot of attention, I think maybe is a good way to say that. And, and kind of outside the lens of adoption, you kind of look at that and you're like, oh, wow, they have a lot of issues. But, you know, as you understand, as you take their story into account, it's like, oh, that makes sense. And I can see that. And, um, as I see different adoptees around me, I, I relate to their struggles a lot. And it's a lot easier for me to see where they're coming from because I relate to a lot of the things that I see in them. Mm-hmm. But I, I think um, fear fear and insecurity are really big things, especially in relationships, because relationships are vulnerable and they're messy anyway. But when you have, you know, a history of, you know, abandonment, rejection, it just makes, you know, relationships a lot harder yeah. to dive into. What are some practical ways or things that either you've experienced through relationships that have like been um, aware and empathetic of the things that you're feeling um, or things that you wish maybe people would do? Like what are some practical things that somebody on the other side could just like do in a relationship with an adoptee, whether, you know, that's your child who's four years old or your, you know, friend who's 25 Um what are some things that we could, we can actually do and apply to these relationships? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's, it's really simple, at least for me and my experience. Um, the most helpful thing has just been knowing people are going to be there consistently and they're not just in and out, but they're just there, faithful, steady, you know, willing to listen, willing to ask hard questions um, and willing to just, sit with me and in whatever, you know, emotions or struggles I'm having a hard time with and pointing me back to the Lord. Um, And I think, yeah, just having a listening ear and 
just really being willing to just love and love and love and love. Um, because I think as, and I'm sure this doesn't go for all adoptees, but a lot of adoptees I've talked to and I've experienced this myself is we kind of expect that people are going to leave. And so when people, you know, consistently are loving and loving and loving, it helps us to be, come to a place where we feel a little bit more safe and secure to open up and to share. Um, so I think just love, a lot of love, which mm-hmm. is what we're all called to, right? As we walk after Jesus, he's called us to walk in love. And so just being sensitive to each other, just in that general sense, we're all called to that. But just having a sensitive heart to know when to listen, when to just give a hug or when to encourage that person in the word or um, pray with them. Just having a heart to, to, I think it's really just to understand and to be willing to go where that person um, needs you to go with them. Yeah. Thanks for that. That's um, Mm -hmm. encouraging. And I love just to be able to take something away because I'm sure we all, you know, maybe not all, but have somebody in our life that we can apply that to. Um, even if they haven't been adopted, like somebody struggling mm-hmm. with fear or, you know, mm-hmm. abandonment right. or loss and those things. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's so yes. important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Julie, like over the last you know few years, you've been a little more public about some of your, your story and your feelings mm-hmm. and your processing and all of that. Like, has that, mm-hmm. um, ha- what has that done for you? Has that helped you in the processing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has. Um, as I got older into my teenage years, I didn't know a lot of adoptees in person like I did when I was a younger child. And so I just felt very alone. But as I started kind of branching out into the adoptee community more and ha- connected with other adoptees and I was having conversations with them about some of these hard things. And it was amazing. It was so healing. I was just like, oh, I'm not the only one. I'm not crazy. You know, there's other people who are walking through this too and, you know, trying to navigate all this emotional chaos and all these questions. And um, it was incredibly healing for me to just find support in that way, to find other people who who related to me. Yeah. I think we all have that desire, regardless of what our story is or like our struggles Mm -hmm. to like, feel I know that I personally like that's something that is a great need that I have and whether it's from my own childhood stuff that's Mm -hmm. happened or not like is to be Mm -hmm. seen and acknowledged and heard Mm -hmm. and even just like the healing that comes with that Mm-hmm. I feel like it could be a room of, you know, two of your closest friends, or if you, you know, want to express it in a different way to, you know, have these conversations with more people, even if you don't know them face to face, I, I do, I, I get that that is healing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad it's been that way for you. And it's been so mm-hmm. encouraging. Like, I know it's healing <laughs> for you, but like, I know, um, you know, other young adoptive families, like who follow you and who, um, I've just gleaned so much from like what you have shared again. Like mm-hmm. I just imagine my daughter 20 years from now, like where, where she, of course your stories are different, but I, I want to be prepared mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. you know, what's to come, not just dealing with, um, you know, sifting through emotions with a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say, do you have any um, suggestions, kind advice for adoptive families specifically? Um, you know, what do you wish maybe 
you not to, you know, throw your parents under the bus or anything mm-hmm. negative, sure. like there's good and bad that comes with all of it. But, you know, mm-hmm. I guess what were the things that were really good for you as a child um, within your family? And then if there's anything that you maybe wish or looking back, like, oh, this I think would have helped me process more or, or mm-hmm. you know, be a little bit better off what, right now. Like, is there anything that you could encourage or suggest uh, adoptive families to take into account and, you know, and do right now? Mm-hmm. So when my parents adopted me, you know, 21 years ago, there were not, you know, the resources about adoption and post-adoption that there are now. And so I would really encourage families to just really lean into those resources um, wisely, right? Always take the word. And then, you know, if, if you are needing extra like practical helps, you know, go for that. Um, but there's just so many resources that are out there now that I think a long time ago would have, you know, been helpful to my parents. They did the best they knew with what they were given and what they were um, equipped with. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, my parents had us go to Chinese school and, you know, be involved with other adopted families. And that was a very helpful thing for me, I think, to see other families that were you know, similar to my family and to build those connections was really helpful. Um, I think it's easy to maybe kind of set up these expectations in our minds of what it should look like to walk as an adoptive family, um, but it's just going to be different. And so actually, I think my my encouragement would really be to just follow Jesus and to not um, weigh yourself down with oh, I have to do this and I have to send my child to, you know, language school and cultural school and heritage camps. And, but to just really, um, really follow the Lord and how he would have you to, to shepherd and raise your children. Um, because it, it does look different and it can be overwhelming all that. There's so many different things that you can be involved in as a duck and as a family. Um, but to just really, lean into what the Lord has for you. And that may look like, you know, all the things um, that an adoptive family could do or send their child to, but it may not be. Um, That's a pretty big answer, but I guess just walk in, walk in what the Lord has for you and don't, don't be burdened by, you know, expectations that you're placing on yourself or others may have for you, but just be free, you mm-hmm. know, to engage those things, but also be free to not engage those things. There's different seasons of life and there's different things that the Lord has called us to. So, yeah, no, I think that's a great answer and something again, like we can all apply no matter where we're at or what our family mm-hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie, if you, um, if you were sitting down, if you were like to just have coffee with somebody to like, make a new friend who's also an adoptee who's really Mm -hmm. struggling with loss and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, fear and rejection and a lot of these Mm -hmm. big heavy things that come with this journey. Um, what, what encouragement would you have for her? Mm. I would say, I would say two things. I think, um, the first is to not give up. And the second is to, to not hold all of that in. Um, I know, I went through several pretty intense years of just struggling with a lot of pain and a lot of doubt and a lot of just struggles. And I, I did kind of give up and I struggled with 
um, major depression for several years because of that. And so my encouragement would be to not give up and to not deny the pain or the hurt, the rejection or the questions that you have, but to keep pressing into them and to bring them to the Lord um, because there's just, there isn't any other way to heal. And I found that to be true. I've tried so many other ways. Um, I, I struggled with eating and um, obsession with sports and living for the next exciting thing or, you know, striving to be perfect in everything I do. Um, you fill in the blankets, you know, there's nothing else that will heal. And as much as we, we try to find those things, it just, it doesn't fill that hole that's in our hearts, but the Lord can do that. And he's able to do that. Yeah. Um, but the second part is to not, um, to not hold all of that hurt and that, that fear and that struggle in, um, because that's just part of the healing is to get it out and to put words to it, to name it, to describe it and to, again, give it to the Lord and let him heal that. And so for me, that looks like usually I write things out that helps. Um, but the biggest thing that's actually been helpful is talking to other people about it. Someone I trust, someone I know who will give me good godly counsel um, and just bearing my heart and saying, you know, these are the, the big, ugly, messy things. And this is what I'm having a hard time with. And, you know, what do I do with this? And just having them, you know, shepherd me and um, lead me back to the Lord and pointing me back to him um, and to let them just love me too has been a lot of it. And that takes a lot of humility to step out in faith and say, okay, I'm going to just bear my soul to this person. And I don't know what this is going to be like, but it's really scary. It takes a lot of faith to do that, but that's how the Lord brings healing. And he starts that healing process. That's such good advice. That vulnerability is so, um, it's hard sometimes, but there, I totally agree. I did that the other day. I said something to somebody and like the vulnerability of just like saying it, like I felt so much relief and like there was light covered yes. in it just from yes. the, the simple act of like, without uh -huh. even the conversation, just the act of doing it. Mm, right. So yes, yes, yes. Right. It just frees us from so much. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I'm not in this alone. And it, it, you know, it does bring that relief and that, oh, you know, this isn't just my struggle, my burden, my pain anymore. You know, there's someone bearing this, helping the, helping me walk through this. Right. Um, in that same vein, Julie, what do you feel that God has set you free from? Oh, so much. Mm. And he's still setting me free um, from so much. Um, in relation to being adopted, though, specifically, I think he has he has set me free from living in the past and from being defined by my past. And I used to walk in just a lot of sadness and heaviness over my past. Um, and I was really just stuck in a rut in that in just a very unhealthy way. And like I said, I struggled with some depression um, as a teenager because of that. But I just kept crying out to the Lord, asking him to help me, to save me and to, to just show himself to me and to heal me. And he did. And he's faithful to do that as we cry out to him. And Psalm 30 says, um, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. So this is the kind of thing that the Lord has done in my life is that he's just taken that heaviness and that weight and that grief and that um, deep sadness. And he's turned it into this, this dancing and this joy and this gladness, this um, rejoicing in him um, that 
I'm in a place now that I can worship and I can live in a way that is um, just an offering to him and a sacrifice to him. And so this is the kind of transformation he desires to bring about in us as his children is he desires to bring us from a place of grief and sadness and to bring us into a place of um, joy and, and delight in him. And so if he can do that in my life, I'm 110% <laughs> sure he can do that in, in your life too. Julie, you are such a light. I am so grateful to talk with you and to know you and to learn from you. Um, just thank you so much for sharing all of this. Um, again, something so personal um, and you've mm-hmm. just been so honest and in, just like you you are a light. And I'm, I think that you are um, such a witness and I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful for you. Mm-hmm. Well, praise the Lord. It's been a joy to talk to you, Becky. Thanks, Julie. Again, don't forget to check out the show notes where we have all of the info and links and resources we talked about in the show. You can go to beckymorquecho.com, B-E-C-K-Y-M-O-R-Q-U-E-C-H-O.com. Thanks for listening in.